And welcome to another episode of More Than Dice. I'm Gonzo. I'm John. I'm Kathy. And welcome to episode number... 140? I'm reaching. I think it's 140. I think you're reaching. I don't know. The calendar turned, and so I didn't have anything written on it. Uh Uh-oh. I would say we're on 138. See? I just flipped in my six into a nine in my head. (laughs) <laughs> 138. Well, episode 138. Today's episode, we're going to talk about uh, being your do, GMing, DMing, game mastering, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we call it game mastering now because DMing is a term suitable for Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, or, you, or yeah, if you're not, you know, in dungeons, how can you be a dungeon master, right? <laughs> so uh, we're going to talk about getting it set up, <laughs> what you should probably do, how you should probably do things. Uh, these are all just merely suggestions uh, from quite a few people, or uh, I wouldn't say quite a few people. I'd say, John and I, we've got quite a bit of knowledge on that subject. We've been jamming for quite a long time. Oh, how old am I? Uh, um, 30 some, uh, let's just say 30 by 17,000 minutes. I don't know. <laughs> I can't add. Thanks, Parm, for the subscription. We really appreciate it. Oh, thanks, Parm. Uh, uh, and Hinton says yes, one thirty-eight. See, this is why we keep him around. Yep. Uh, and I've been doing it since I was—I've been jamming since I was probably like ten or eleven, and I'm like almost fifty. So from all different systems. So we figured we would do this, and Kathy had actually suggested it. So, uh, but before we get started, tradition calls. John, what are you drinking today? Uh, well, I have a problem, and I would like to apologize to everyone in advance. I have cherry coke with uh, red stag black cherry whiskey. The problem is, all of this is supposed to fit in there, and this did not fit in there, which means I might have too much alcohol. <laughs> Let me apologize now. <laughs> the, the language will fly. <laughs> Rot row. Just saying. Fasten your seatbelts. Uh, Today, I am working on just a little bit of Maker's Mark tonight, because as soon as we're done the podcast, I have to make a cheesecake, so I didn't want to get too fursnickered. Drunk cooking sounds like fun to me. Well, drunk. I I take my cheesecake making very serious, sir. Um, I want cheesecake. I also want cheesecake. Well, how about this? The next convention that... All three of us can be at. I will bring a cheesecake just for us. Well, fuck, now I gotta go. Yep. <laughs> yep, that's the way to do it. That's how we get John to a convention. We promise him cheesecake. cheesecake. You know what? I'll make cheesecake for that, too. <laughs> wow. You guys kept it busy. Captain Mizzy has had my cheesecake before. It is the it is world-renowned greatest cheesecake ever made. Wow. That's some tall order there. That's, Kathy, that's what are you drinking? What, I'm, I'm drinking uh, rum and coke tonight still got rum left uh, it's a new bottle okay just, just making sure because i i may or may not have run out of just about every alcohol this week because that was the kind of week it was oh that's too bad uh-huh. i survived i'm good it's all good then yes so um we have any tributes this week i mean the only no no, scratch that. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. Um, 
tributes this week, guys. We appreciate every one of y'all. We appreciate uh, everybody that subscribes, everybody that shares. Everybody in for the slightest bit, man. We appreciate it. I mean, really, we do. I mean, I wouldn't have thought that we've been doing this for three years. Um, but we've been doing this and it, it's, it's amazing how we grow and how Kath, like Kathy's Tuesday through Thursday painting, how, how much she's grown and how much she's, you know, been doing this because when we first started, Kathy was like really nervous about, you know, being on stream and painting on stream and stuff and recording videos. And now it's now like her. I still hate recording videos Yeah, but for the yeah. record. I feel like having a structured class or tutorial sort of a thing just isn't my it's not my thing it's that's where the anxiety comes from but sitting here painting and talking to people while I'm painting and explaining what I'm doing while the thoughts are crossing my mind that works so much better yeah but I mean yeah like I said it's really surprising how much else supported us we really appreciate it um not my fort exactly Hinton so it's 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 really we're, we're very humble by that. Um, so our tribute is uh, to all of our listeners. We appreciate you. How about that one? So to all of y'all, cheers. 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 And I'm drinking it out of an Adepticon glass, Captain Mizzy, just for you. That is really good. That's still so so still so good. I'm getting fucked up, but that's really good. <laughs> but, you know, it's going to be one of those nights. And Hinton's oh. teasing us with the Lagavulin again. Oh, <laughs> One of these days I'll buy a expensive bottle of alcohol, but since I drink most of it mixed with stuff, you don't mix good stuff with no. Uh-uh. No, that's like fucking travesty. You don't mix good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we oh. want to do our give our quick shout out to all of our sponsors. We want to thank Tectonicraft Studios uh, for being there and uh, providing really awesome things for everybody, uh, guys. If you don't know it and you like. Uh, some good MDF terrain and uh, really well bit. Go visit uh, Dan at Tectoran Crest Studios. Of course, Muse on Minis for hosting all of our streams and uh, sending out to the masses. Uh, we want to thank uh, our good friend Lynn um, of Metalhead Minis for selling all of our products and helping to sell things and just being an awesome pay- person. Uh, yeah, I think she's still got uh, Warfare Weekend dice and stuff, right? Yeah, she, I, we still have some Warfare Weekend dice, which, you guys, if uh, we're trying to sell those so we can try to make some of our money back for uh, 2021. Um, so if you know anybody that likes dice, pins, and all that stuff, uh, jump over to her website, um, and you can uh, help us fund uh, more cool things for Warfare Weekend since we had to cancel it. Um, rightfully so. Um, and also the stuff for uh, um, our podcast. We sell a few things for our podcast there. More than dice. Yes. So, other than that, I'm going to switch over the paint cam. If anything, I'm going to work on my Warcaster model because I've been dying to work on it. And we'll get started on this discussion. I am so glad I painted before the podcast. Yeah, because you probably would have not gotten very Because oh. I can already tell. You're, are you getting for snickered? I'm fine right now. No, but you're getting it, right? <laughs> uh, I can taste how strong it is. It's, it's going to be fat. <laughs> and, of course, my cord is all wrapped up in my chair now. I, I totally thought you said my cord is all wrapped up in my chain mail. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what are you wearing? 
Uh, well, there's only Sunday night gear. Come on, shit. Can't see, so it's got to be chainmail clothes, and I don't want to know anymore. He's wearing the chainmail bikini. Sweet. Uh, um, uh, that would uh, really hurt because I'm a hairy dude. <laughs> you know what? As Fane and I say, I have no questions for witness, Your Honor. <laughs> Uh, okay. Um, someone said mixing scotch. No, we don't. No, no we don't. Oh, okay. We are all in agreement on that. Mm -mm. Yes. No, no. And I'm a big mixed drink guy, so that's why I don't buy expensive scotch. Okay. So, uh, so I, I wanted to say something before we get started. So I've been using a lot more of those Pro Acryl line, and I painted up this really big frog. Um, and the more I'm using this line, I'm really loving these colors, guys. Good right. stuff. I'm really, really impressed with this stuff. So, uh, so I'm gonna be working on my Warcaster, excuse me, model, uh, trying to still get some of the white outlined and white parts put on here so I can wash it with the cool uh, Tesseract glow, and then outline it with panel line, and then painting it, painting some of the plates with black so we can get some cool looking stuff. Because this is gonna be the this is the final paint scheme. Uh, if it'll show up pretty well, probably not. I'm sure it went back to auto-focusing when it shouldn't be auto-focusing. Oh, it's auto-focusing. Well, actually, no, it's not auto-focusing. It would have actually focused on it at some point. No, oh, it's no. auto-focusing. I just saw it jump. It's just being terrible. Yep. So. All right, from everyone, camera, fuck you. Yeah. Focus what we say to focus on. So. <laughs> All right. So, Kathy, you brought up a subject that was um, a couple of weeks ago about DMing. What was your, what's your, I wouldn't say issue, but what were your concerns? Because you, this was brought up. What's your boggle? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't actually remember you what I was talking about. jump into it because. But, uh, I've never, maybe because I have never DMed. I'm I'm too chicken to to run a game. I feel like I might not be a good storyteller. Uh, and we were talking about I think we were talking about my my Monday night game and you know how we we lost our game master to cancer and so one of the other people has stepped up and he's just kind of getting a feel for after having been a table judge at D&D tournaments which is one type of game mastering uh, it's very different than running a game for a bunch of people who are just sitting around the table relaxed leisurely there's not a time constraint uh but he's running it like it's a tournament game, and it's just the weirdest thing. It's, I've, I've never played with somebody who's run a game in this sort of a style ever. <laughs> it's, it's a little disconcerting. But uh, we're just, we're, it's, it's his first time trying this, and we want to be supportive. So I'm curious, so we can have a frame to start with. What are the you mentioned some of the big some of the problems you had is thinking you might not be a good storyteller. Are there any other oh, things you're worried about in uh, eventually running a game? For me, even even as a 
as a player, when my character gets into a situation where it has to dialogue with somebody else, that's not something I do well. Like, I can't just improv. It's, it's not a skill I have ever possessed. Like, I could just talk like this. Fine. It's not the same thing. No, because you're not put in a situation. You're not yeah. in, the, in the mindset of Eldrick, the, the ass-kicking, goblin, whooping, you know, yeah. ladies and I can't, man type thing. Yeah, I can't get into a character in the way that, you know, is required for having dialogue with, like, the NPC as, you know, like an actor. That's why I'm not an actor. <laughs> I cannot act. But you're saying when you play, you've got the annoying NPC who's using a voice modulator because someone told him he has to. And now he's talking only like Bane because that's how the voice modulator is set. <laughs> you don't get into that? I mean, I could get into that, but I wouldn't know what to say into the voice modulator. Well, not, it don't do it. I, I literally do what I did there. I put my hands in my mouth and do the Bane voice. But it's it's not but like the... Well, I can help you find the villain. Oh, it's Let's not the voice like... Footage. Like, I could talk about back back in the day when I was painting miniatures about, like, I could do a voice. I just, uh, it's the actual words that The don't impromptu come out. part. Like, I, they don't even make it into my brain. <laughs> so it's, the M2, it's the impromptu part that you're having. In yeah, your it's ad-libbing anything ever in my life. Well, so let's start with. Uh, the worry about being a good storyteller. That is not a worry anyone who runs a game should have a problem with because you are not the only storyteller at the table. It is a collaborative story between you and all the players. Correct. You are just writing a framework so that it is a collaborative, you know, there's some rule structure to it. You're sort of adjudicating the rules and giving them a frame of reference and helping with the stuff they have no control over. You're sort of like an uber player in that, is that you are controlling everything that's not the players. So you really shouldn't be worried because they're going to tell a part of the story themselves. And honestly, when you get the players going, as you probably well know, they will run with the darnest <laughs> thing. And all you've got to do is just make sure it keeps they, they keep going, you know. And sometimes they get a low on fuel, just throw a little fuel on the fire and they're ready to go. So if that's your major hang-up to anyone running a game, don't let it be. Um, it seems scary. It seems crazy. Um, just jump in. Um, don't expect to be the guy who runs Critical Role. I don't know his name because I never watch it. Yeah. But don't expect to be that guy because that guy took forever to get there. And he's and, also a paid voice actor. and Exactly. He has other skills. And don't don't let don't, don't feel that pressure. Yet. If your players give you the pressure, like, well, I mean, you're not was Matt Mercer is that his name that came to my head. Whatever, you're not so and so. Like, if that person is being like that, then they need to go pay for someone to be a DM because they're not going to get that out of a random random DM. It's just not going to happen. So don't let that bother you. The, the players are going to help you. You will be surprised how much they help you get things done. And you'll be surprised how all of your role-playing experience comes into being a game master. Because, you know, you, you're already doing 
a small part of it because you're controlling your own character. This is just sort of the meta explosion view where you're controlling a lot of little characters. And it's not all about dialogue. I understand dialogue can be difficult, but sometimes you just got to get you, get your the gist of it out. You know, people say, oh, you got to role-play everything. You don't have to role-play everything. You can say, oh, the villagers tell you, you know, the head lead villager tells you that there's this monster that's harassing them and they would really love for you to help them deal with it. You don't necessarily have to role-play it out unless it's a significant scene or if it's uh, something that you, you're ready for. Like, those initial scenes, like that particular one, you know are going to happen. Those are You can plan for those. You can have the basic outline of a script. And you'll be surprised how quickly you get into, if you will, the character of that NPC and are able to, you know, um, just make it work for whatever questions they ask you. Uh, That seems like a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you can script out some of the stuff. You can do that. And like I said, the players are there to help you. They're not going to most. I've never had a player judge a dm they'll give hints they'll do whatever i mean i have a pretty good group i feel or a couple groups who are, all have a good amount of experience and all get really into it and throw ideas at making them the game so it's just a matter of feeding that and keeping them going um other common you know the basic uh if you say problems i hear from people with running a game are like i don't have enough knowledge of the game system you just need basic knowledge of the game system. You, you, at the end of the day, you make the rules. They're in the book, but if you need it to, you can have whatever happen. There's a, there's what I like to call, what everyone calls, the rule of cool, which is a great thing. If it's cool, then then they can fucking do it. I want to swing from the chandelier, firing my you know shotgun at the bad guys, you know. You know, across the room, like, do it. Let's roll some dice. Yeah, my thing is always don't say no, assign a difficulty. Yeah, that's actually another big actual GMing tip is don't say no, assign a difficulty. The only time you should say no is if it is literally something they cannot do. Yeah, I want to pull the sun down. Shut up. You have telekinesis? Yes. All right, roll. That was not high enough. And if they roll high enough, then you better think on your feet. And improv is a big thing in that. Um, There's this meme that goes around uh, from the Avengers where it's Cap and uh, Banner. Where it's Cap instead of the normal thing he says. He's saying, like, GM, I don't don't know how you do it every week. You know, how you plan all this stuff out. And, And then it's like basically Banner going, that's my secret. I don't plan anything. Mm-hmm. You plan and, a basic plot. Yeah, you, you outline a basic plot. You can do, there are a million ways to do it. So the most basic way to do it, I would say, is to run a standard ladder sort of uh, plot where they come into the village, you say there are two things that can happen, A and B, and then you just make branches off, and then they branch off that. And it gets deeper, but you'll find you only need to go so far in a certain session, so you're not planning that far out because as that ladder goes that that branch goes away you get rid of it and you focus on the branch they chose um i had a period running shadow run because of course legionnaires says i recommend if you're new to dm don't start with shadow run um i would say start with an easier game 
is I, a I, better idea. But if you know the system, it shouldn't be a problem. If you know the world more than the system, it'll definitely not be a problem. I think one thing I, I want to backtrack just a little bit. One of the things that you want to do is if you're going to be a GM for something, know your players. Like, mm-hmm. what do they want to play? Do they want to play a D&D game? Or do they want to play sci-fi? And um, then when you get with them, say, all right, you want to play sci-fi? How does this system work? And what does everybody think? Type thing. I, I will one-up that, actually. I would say every time you want to do a game with your players, you should run them through an elevator pitch of that. And if you don't know what elevator pitch is, it's basically how people would pitch movies to movie producers. You get in the elevator, you have about time it takes for them to get to the floor to explain the basic premise of your movie or story to them. And you give them an elevator pitch of the movie, of the, of the plot, of the, of the game. Um, and you see what they say. Sometimes they'll come to you like, oh, that sounds great. Sometimes they like, whatever. You'll have the players just play whatever. And you'll have the players who are like, eh, not really into that, whatever. Sometimes they'll go, can we play this? You can put it to a vote with them, whatever. Um, can we but you this do have to, Yeah, you do also have to be something you want to run. If you don't want to run it, it is going to be the hardest thing in the world to run. Yeah. That's why I think people who, if I you know there are a handful paid DMs, are fucking crazy. Because I'm not going to run a game I don't want to run. You know, I want to play this type of like that's not my game, son. So you should elevator pitch. I also, I all but, I think you you all but have to have a session zero where your players talk over what, what they're making for characters. They should not come with surprises because you know uh, I saw this on uh, some feed or other this past week where someone's like. Uh, you know, someone's like, I'm playing so-and-so the goblin killer. They goblins killed my family and all this. Like, oh, yeah, I hate goblins, too. I'm a ranger. It's one of my favorite enemies because of how they, you know, ravage the countryside near me. And then it's like, switch to the player, slowly crumbles up goblin character sheets. <laughs> exactly. You don't want that to happen because, you know, you've ruined that person's, you know, it's not ruined that person's fun, but you've made, you've ruined their idea for their character. You know, it's things like that that have made me not play an elf every time I want to because everybody else has some bullshit hang-up about people playing elves as as characters. Uh, The DMs don't like elves for some reason, and I really don't understand the hate. I don't understand the hate for elves. It's just because some asshole decided to play an arrogant high elf and it's super annoying because I've played with that person. Well, the problem is that enough people played it that way because enough games had elves as actually being better than the actual other characters that it's become almost canon for them now. Yeah. I think it's really a shame. It is absolutely a shame. And... I think if you want to play an elf, you should let people know, like, I want to play an elf. If the GM has a problem, then that GM needs to work on it. You should not have a problem with anything that doesn't fit. Like, if you're playing an orc campaign, yes, playing an elf could be a problem. Or it could be fucking amazing. But, I mean, if you're playing, like, you're saying, hey, guys, I want to run a heroic game set. I don't want bad guys. I don't want, like, neutral evil or evil characters or whatever. I want to run a thing. Then, Then the players should go, okay, guys, I know that you know, orcs are supposed to be bad. Can I play this? 
The the, yeah, the players yeah. should always talk to the GM about stuff. I play Dread Stewart. Of course. I, I, I can bring up, up the the upcoming uh, Tasha's Cauldron. Uh the thing that's coming out and their their alternate rules thing where they where you just like fuck the alignments. You know? Um, because yeah, I don't play a lot of D and D so alignments don't really mean anything to me. For me, I've never understood how a sentient creature couldn't choose how to feel about something. They're really more on guidelines. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. It's always been about guidelines, but you know there's those people that skip over that part and feel like rules as written is the only way to play this. Uh, I tell you, the in my favorite D&D campaigns I've ever played in, I do not know the alignments of, any, of just about anyone in my group. Yeah. I don't care. Well, same here. I love it when people don't care, but there are other people. There are other people that run games who who give a shit about that thing. And if you play, you know, a dark elf or if you play a half orc or an orc or, you know, a tiefling or whatever, they expect that you're going to they either expect that you're going to be evil or they won't allow it because they don't want evil uh, races in their game. And that's that's where I go with the GM. Yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's, yeah, that should be part of his elevator. That should be part of his second pitch. After yeah. you guys accept the elevator pitch, he should write up a longer one. Um, so the game I have the most experience with is actually the Hero System Champions. And, it's like, and in their game mastering section, they actually have a sheet that GM could write up. Like, all right, on a reality scale of one to five, how realistic, how comedic, how episodic versus serial is it going to be? It's all these things to help a help a game up master, uh, you know, plan it out so that he can hand a sheet to the players and if he can't express it well enough, or he or she, if they can't express it well enough, then they can hand that sheet to their players and their players know exactly what, what to expect. And I feel like you should do that. It seems a little, you know, like extra paperworky, red tapey bureaucratic, let's say. But it really helps. All these little things that seem like like a bunch of unnecessary paperwork and bureaucracy really help you get a game going that starts. And if you're new to game of mastering and such, you're going to need all these little tips to make sure you start off on the right foot. Because too many people just go like, let's just play. And you start playing and you realize your party don't fit together at all and they're at each other's throats. And suddenly you've got all the problems. And technically speaking, none of them are your fault. It's because your players are being assholes. Your plans are, are, are under the guise of role playing. So, um, so I would say that's definitely one you want to do after your elevator pitch, and then after you've elevator pitched and you've got your basic thing and they've thought about their ideas, you should have a session zero where people are, and you should probably take notes during this as as the game master. Your players explain who their characters are. Um, there's actually one I forget. Oh, sorry, Baynard's being silly in the chat room. Baynard is obviously in many of my role-playing campaigns. And yes, he is that guy sometimes. Um, but I always do this when I'm drinking and I have a try to keep my train of thought derailed. Anyways, um, 
you should have a session zero. You should take notes. And I don't remember where I found it. There was some role-playing blog in the early thoughts that I found that I wrote the ideas for. And literally, we go in and we're like, all right, give a description of your character, name, and the basic, your basic elevator, you know, quick one-line, two-line summary of who your character is. And then you all go through that. Then, you know, all right, choose one other party member that you have a relationship with, a positive relationship with, and why. And then they go, oh, you know, I have a positive relationship with this person because of this thing. And then you go through the players and which ones we have a negative relationship with and why. And then, you you know, we go through and we give yourself a friend you can call on and an enemy that you have. And that's sort of like those questions are the core of our session zero um character creation and then everyone goes home and they make their backstories if that's their thing either verbally tell me them or they will write them down or type them terribly and then uh, we're all ready to give the high points to everyone before session one and then go and, and, and I like doing it as a group building characters together as a group like someone says hey I want to play this is this going to you know interfere with anybody's you know what they've got planned um, type thing, which is going back to that discussion. Um, you know, I, I, I want to play a goblin. Session zero too. Like, yeah. hey, I want to. I've had someone play a goblin, and you know, he was he was a goblin in a predominantly elven city. He was a goblin farmer, and they're like, fine, we're fine with him. Yeah, I mean, because you can play anything's playable unless the GM has a story like, hey, this is where the goblins are actually you know, destroying the world and, you know, give me a good reason why this goblin was going to go against complete nature of, you know, what's going on or whatever. But yeah. Well, that we part of earlier because that we part of like, okay, it's not a standard Dungeons and Dragons world. It has these changes. Like I have notes for a world that I have, I'll say partially built. None of my players have played it multiple times where there are certain races you can't be because they're not playable because Correct. of what happened in the past. Like in my one in the world I have, you can't play a halfling. They're all feral, cannibalistic fuckers. You do not want to mess with a halfling. They will motherfucking kill you. Sounds like, like Dark Sun. It is a little like Dark Sun. That's mm -hmm. that's another idea. When you're making your world, people get so worried about, oh, that sounds like that, or that sounds like don't worry about that. We all steal ideas from everything. Oh yeah. We're not making a game to sell, so you don't have to worry about is this stolen from somebody? That doesn't matter. Like honestly, we've I've taken stuff in my superhero games from Marvel, DC, Image Comics, fucking Valiant Comics. I don't care. <laughs> if it is reached printed or movie or any sort of medium I can get to, I will happily borrow that idea from my campaign. I don't care. Yeah. And you shouldn't either. I absolutely loved the, uh, the campaign our DM made <clears throat> where it was all based on Flash Gordon. Yeah, that's, that's oh, the great one. The serials are all a great <clears throat> source of a campaign for that particular genre. Because they almost are. I mean, when you think about it, radio plays and early serials are all basically just role-playing in movie form. I mean, hell, as soon as you see a movie, you're like, man, that's a role-playing game. I've played in that one. Yep. I felt that way watching Leverage. Uh, yes. Yeah. Leverage is a fucking role-playing game. In fact, actually, Leverage gives you the perfect example of something that's really important in uh, game mastering. It's sort of a second-level trick, but I'll say it here because it helps early on, too. 
And that is what I call shtick preservation. That is where you do not let two players have the same shtick. So if someone says in the description, my character is the strongest one there is, um, then as long as you don't have a problem with that with an NPC, or your will, the PCs will know, you know, like I'm the strongest one there is aside from an NPC who's the actual strongest one there is, that's cool. No one else can be the strongest one there is. You don't let them step on toes. They can't even be the third strongest one there is. You're going to have to be way down there in the team. Sorry. You know, if you, you know, if you've got a party and someone's like, I am, you know, I'm a computer hacker. Don't let someone else be, well, I'm this and a little bit of a hacker. Like, no, no, choose something else. There's plenty of things that are hacker. You can get electronics, but not hacker. You know, you, you got to push them away from that. Let that person have their skill set to shine upon them. Now, it's hard with combat skills because obviously combat is a big part of many role-playing games. So that becomes difficult, so don't worry about that so much. Um, if your game system is built right, then if someone is the best fighter in the party, when there is fighting, it will show. A uh, quick example, we were playing Shadowrun, and I was playing the physical add-up, and we got in a bar fight. And it was quickly apparent to everyone that I was the best physical fighter in there because I was whooping everyone's ass. Because the system is designed around that. So the system preserved my shtick of being the best unarmed combat fighter. You know, one of their characters is pretty good. So, but, so that's, that's an important thing. I would say that is one of the most important things. Unless you can, like you... The player should say that and let them actually, if you will, talk about who can be. I, I like to think of it, uh, when you're going to that, I like to think of it as like Ocean's Eleven. Well, well Ocean's Eleven is a, ter is a terrible thing because they all have overlapping skills. But everybody has their own little thing. Uh-huh. And that, that, to me, that's they all have a unity of, you know, robbing the bank or whatever. But they all have something that they're all really good at. Yeah, yeah. And but you want to make sure... But you need well, to make you sure... Guys, you... uh, Russ has a question for Gonzo about the model. Go for Did it. you do anything to the model before that pin line stuff, or was it straight over the paint? I've never seen that stuff before. Oh, the panel lining accent? Um, okay, so this is... It's primarily used with um, Gundam models. And so since I've been working on the Gundam stuff, I was like, hey, I'm going to try and use it. So all it is is I've painted it and used the color shift paint, and then I just put it in there. This stuff is amazing to do, like the lines, like on shoulders and in between here. Um, and it's really good and easy to use for um, over the color shift because the color shift doesn't let the black show very well. So it's easy to do in it. Like if you saw when I like, uh, let me pick it up um, on the shield right here. I got some of the black on the shield i'm just gonna paint over that white uh but the excuse me man the panel line just straight in you just dip it into the you know that crevice you want to put it in and you're done and it, it will feel all that lineup that as kathy calls that capillary action indeed it is uh it is amazing for lining models um on the jacks and anything that you want to line it with highly highly recommend it 
Um, I haven't sealed. I won't be able to seal it. So I've never tried it sealed to see what it looks like sealed. Because uh, I can't seal these models. But I don't see why it would be an issue. Um, maybe Baneon. I don't know. Has he done? Has he used this before? Nothing at all. Yeah. But I mean, it is great for putting paint. Instead of putting my brush and doing this in here. Like on the shield part right here. I don't know if you really see it, because I can't see my computer screen. Uh, I just used the panel line in there instead of trying to get my brush in there. Which I probably could still, but, you know, I wanted to test that stuff out with it. And so far, it's really, really good. Really like it. So, uh, and they make them in all different colors, too. They got them in, I know they, I did see some green and some blues. Uh, I didn't see if they had a white, but I think the white would be like really good for certain things too. Like I could see the white, like if I wanted to do, like I wanted this to glow instead of be outlined in black. I thought that might be, you know, a way to do some really cool, use it to put uh, contrast colors in. Sure. So, but yeah, I really like it. It's It's really easy, a lot of fun. Super, super good. Recommend it. So, any other questions? I don't feel me. Okay. Back to subject. What I don't remember where I was. Uh, I know we were talking about parties and sticks. Sticks. Yeah, so Ocean's Eleven is, is an okay one. I think Leverage, early Leverage is a much better uh, visual of that because they all have the thing that they are good at and no one else can really do remotely near as well. Uh, but really, if you look at it, most groups start off like that where they all have the thing that they're good at. Correct. And that's why they're in there, you know, because they're the best they are at what they do. So you want to preserve that more than anything. Because you, if, if your party isn't unique, there's always going to be and unique individuals. There's always going to be someone's like, why would I play this? Because John's better at it than I am. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, make another character. Yeah, sure. No problem. Exactly. And that's another good thing. People have this have this thing about tweaking characters and um, making new characters. Don't don't fucking worry about it. They're just stats on a paper. They're not even important. They're yeah. just. If they may have been wrong when you first did it, and now you're like, oh, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. The way this is gone, it'd be better if I did that. Why should you make someone have a disadvantage because their character concept has evolved because you're playing? One, one of the things that I do is after, like, our first, like, real session where everybody's playing their characters, using their abilities, testing out, I'm like, okay, guys, what do you think about your character? Do you need to change something? Do you feel that, you know, do you want to play something else? You know, given you know, that. And then like, well, yeah, I really don't see a need for me having this character, this skill, because it doesn't fit my character. Okay, just change it. That's a really a good deal. idea. Yeah, that's, I mean, people think it's like you put it on the character sheet and it's set in stone. No, it's all mutable. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Especially Remember, there are two on. important things to, to role-playing. Two most important things to role-playing are story and fun. Everything else is secondary. Story and fun. Yeah. If it helps the story, do it. If it helps the fun, do it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it'd be different if I was like, oh, I've been playing this character for 45 years, and, well, 
bow using really doesn't suit me, so I want to rewrite it and put it all in sword. But you've been using a bow for 45 years. Yeah. You know, that, that's different. That's different. But especially starting out like, hey, I don't think boating is really my thing. It really doesn't fit the character. Okay, no problem. Just choose a different skill. Not or, a big deal. How about I'll one-up you? Uh, you know, I've been doing this for so long, but I wanted something different, but I don't want to change characters. You can write it in. This is where the players coming to you is a great idea. You can write it into the game. Like, you get your head hit, you lose your memory, and you forget how to use a sword, but, sword, but apparently you're an instinctual with a bow, and you never do it. <laughs> you know, you can arrange that shit. It's all fun, you know? It doesn't matter. I mean, we do a lot of stuff. Uh, like I said, most of my experience is going to come from... Uh, champions because that's what I played the most. Yeah. Uh, you know, backwards and forwards, and I could probably make a character for you right now without even breaking out a book. <laughs> and if you've played champions, you'll know how impressive that is. If you um, make it out of character creation. I mean, I can make a character without a book. That's They, they made a program because character creation is crunchy. Yeah. It, it's both crunchy and fluffy. But the whole thing of being a GM more than anything is craft a story, let the players run it. If they mess craft up your story... Framework. Don't craft the story, craft the framework. The framework, yeah. And let them... Like, you may have an idea of where the story is going to end. Um, honestly, you. how about you just do what uh, Straczynski did with, ba with Babylon 5? Starting point, ending point. What happens in the middle? Fuck, who knows? That's where I do most of mine. Most yeah. of my stories are like... Your job is going to be taking down, you know, what I want you to do is this. How you get there is all up to you. And it'll yeah, end and don't get afraid to change the end point. Or, or, I mean, so I do a lot of, you guys are superheroes in X City. There's no end point to that. The end point is when we get tired of playing it. Yeah. And that's okay, too. Like, if you guys, if, if, you know, you guys are adventurers and you don't have a bigger plot, like a center D&D &D one, you're just out there to, you know, fortune and glory. That's your that's your stick. Hey, that's your stick. You can keep going until you get fortune or glory, or you decide to. Sometimes you'll get to that point where it's time for a character to retire. Like you know, he's met this woman, he's fallen in love, he, he doesn't want to do this life anymore. Perfect. That's the perfect time to drop him and bring a new character in. And I can't say this harsh enough. Do not penalize players or characters. Or fucking anything if you can help it. That leaves a bad taste in people's mouth and it ruins the fun. Now, there are times. It's funny that, that you should say that uh, because our guy, our new guy who's running the, our DD, posted in our Discord about. Do you guys think that. Uh, that if somebody dies, they should be penalized. No. Oh. You know, but that's, he was asking us, and he's like, what are your thoughts on this? You know, because he would, he'd just assume, like, if somebody gets killed, because since he started, I don't know, we've played, like, five sessions. Uh, one of the guys has died, like, permanently twice already. Permanently twice? Permanently. I mean... It's As a hard opposed to, Two different you know, characters. Well, so the first one, our our GM was kind enough to have a wandering druid 
happening by the temple that we were at and uh, reincarnated him. And he came back as human. And, uh, but, but in our last, in our last session last week, he died again. He got killed again. And it was, it was just the stupidest thing. But yeah, so he got killed again. And then, and then the day after that, the DM posted in the discord, like, uh, you guys think people should get a penalty for dying? Like, like if you keep dying over and over, nope. <laughs> I didn't even fact, know what to say to that. In fact, Back when D and D had a level penalty for being resurrected, I didn't even like that shit. Yeah. Um, I'm like, if you're gonna have it in the game, don't don't penalize people for that. Uh, we had a discussion actually on lunch yesterday about uh, spell components because the guy's running a game. And he's like, I keep dropping the hints. They need to pick up this diamond dust so they can unpetrify people. They know they're going to the place of petrification. I'm like, I, I say this, you know, with no disrespect, Alex, but if anyone runs a game where spell components are that important, I don't play a spellcaster. Because I don't need that <laughs> yeah. level of too. Yeah, unless it's like a major, like, nope. a very I'm extremely powerful spell type thing, I usually don't worry about spell components. I life. think, well, no, I mean, he's like, well, it's, it's like, you know, diamond or whatever. I'm like, I don't care. You're fucking adventurers. I bet you found some. Yeah. And good At for a spell, you wouldn't you found them it. if you had them. But... You know, because I, I never break out like, oh, it's this gem. Like, you got a bunch of gems, you'll have to get them appraised to see what they're worth. Or if your world can appraise, it's approximately this much. You know, I don't want that level of detail in a game. And maybe you do, but you should make that stuff clear. And that's actually a good, yes. probably final point as we're getting close to the end, is make sure your players know the house rules of the game. If you're going to house before rule stuff... Before they beat characters. Before they make characters. Or... If it comes up in the middle of a game, example, since Banan's in the chat room, we're playing fourth edition D&D, and he threw his axe at somebody, and then goes, well, next round, he's like, and I hit someone with my axe. I'm like, no, you threw it at this guy. He's like, oh, all weapons return automatically. I'm like, no, throwing weapons return automatically. He's like, no, all weapons. I'm like, well, I apologize. That's fucking stupid, and it's not happening, but you can have your axe back this time if you want. But he went by, nope, nope, I won't take it back. I'll do whatever. Because fans go like that usually. But that's the kind of thing, maybe something like I never read that in the rule book because I didn't even assume that would happen because that's, to be honest, that's fucking that's, stupid. Yeah, I would, yeah. So, you know, but make sure people know that or if they if they make an action based off a false, uh, off a misconception, you should allow them to take the action back or wreck Yes, her. yes. You know, like, you know, like we could do Bane like, okay, instead you threw this thing and did similar act damage to your axe, you still got your axe in your hand. You know, I mean, you can retcon it, it doesn't matter. I mean, mm -hmm. it's you're having fun. For fun, story, those are the most important things. Uh, uh -huh. Hinton B says, how many people still play with encumbrance or actually track rations? Nope and no. <laughs> rations would only become important if it was a story point. Um, let's go fourth edition D D, because I haven't played fifth edition and it seems like it's just their D D. Or instead, I would make a skill challenge for people if they were they had a lot of refugees or something with them and they had to feed them. Like, okay, so a skill challenge to make sure you guys are keep up with rations and all that. What I would do is, like, it would just be this vague thing. You're traveling this far. You all make your skill checks, see who succeeds in that. And then you're like, all right, you know, your guys are getting tired because they're not getting enough food, so you can't travel as far as taking longer. 
and then you let them try other stuff. That's sort of what the cool thing about that function of, say, a game like 4th edition was. Or in a different game, if you have degrees of success, you use degrees of success. Like, okay, you succeeded by two, so you guys are good. Oh, you succeeded by five? Okay, you're actually making better ground because your people are well-nourished, and you spend a little less time foraging every day because you've got some extra rations you're keeping for the whole group. It's that simple. Yeah, the thing is, this is something that really should is. be discussed with the players on episode zero, like it says. Like, as a player, I'd be like, don't are we worried about... Episode zero, though. But yes, but they should be. Yeah. You want to know, I, I'm going to have to keep track of rations. And I'm like, well, yes and no. Everyday adventuring, not a problem. You're about to travel 4,000 years. We probably need to start, you know, we, we need to think about it or buy stuff up. But don't... What I call that is reasonable accommodation. Yes. Yes. In normal circumstances, you do not have to keep track of that. You don't keep track of arrows as long as you, assuming you have the proper skill or you come... You're a bow user. I assume you have the proper skill to make arrows. If you're not, if you're like just a guy who happens to have a bow and you're okay with it, I might make you keep track of arrows. But like the the ranger who fucking lives in the woodland and can fucking make a bow out of like a toothpick and you know bow and arrow out of toothpicks and some fallen feathers and some stones, then you don't have to worry about that shit. Uh, one of the things I did kind of was like encumbrance because that was because sometimes you get the people that were like, oh, I have a golf bag full of weapons. Sure. Mm-hmm. Roll a cool dog. Bag <laughs> full of guns. Or in this okay. case, the bag, the bag full of swords. That's fine. So, it, And this sounds all weird to you guys, but the game that's taught me the most about game mastering is Feng Shui because it is so rules-like. It doesn't care about any of that bullshit. Literally, if you're firing a weapon, you have ammo until you fail an ammo check. And then if you fail the ammo check, you're out of ammo until the end of that encounter. Unless something crazy happens, like you have some way to reload. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, John gets it right. You should never trump the fun. You should always create a good story. Now, there could be a reason why you need to worry about food because you've been lost in this dungeon for, you know, 10 days. And you weren't expecting to be in there for 10 days. You were only expecting, oh, we're going to go in for a day. That's 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 extenuating circumstances. Yeah. Um, But for the most part, like, oh, okay, I'm... I'm adventuring. We get it to a town. I assume you're going to refill up your rations. Yeah. Type thing. And don't even, like, honestly, you should even tell you, like, you're getting all this treasure and all. I'll be like, it's a rounding error for you guys to pay for pay for supplies at a village. You drop gold pieces in a village like it's going out of style and, like, supplies will come out of the woodwork for you. Don't you worry. Yeah. And, and, and that's all. It all comes down to you. Maybe you want that level. Maybe you and your players want that Correct. Maybe you want to have this list of weapons you have. Maybe you're playing Shadowrun and you want to keep track of exactly how much ammunition you have, how many magazines you have, and how full is that magazine? Did you reload it before it was empty? So you've got that in your back now just in case you need to pop in for a couple more bullets at the end. Like, maybe you care about that. I don't care about that. But this is, stuff, this is stuff that you should think about whenever you're building your and, game and getting your party together. And no matter, like, yeah, no matter how much you like one game, as soon as you become a game master, you have to look at other games. And not because you may run them, because they have tips in every book and they have rules that you may decide fit in the game you're playing. 
there's a reason why GMs own a shit ton of role playing games. Not that yeah. they plan on running them, they nope. like to use it for reference material. Yep, and uh, sort of close out. If you care about gaming, there are a bunch of books out there, and it would seem like there wouldn't be, but there are a bunch of books about game mastering. Some are out of print, some are hard to find, but you may find them. Uh, anything by Robin Laws, Robin D. Laws is good because Robin knows what he's talking about. Um, the one I most, the next one on my list is Hamlet's Hit Points, which is a another book about running a game. He did one for Steve Jackson a long time ago. Um, I forget what its exact title is, but it's basically a game mastering book that I picked up and I paid way more than I ever have for a gaming supplement of that size, but uh, it's good stuff. Um, and as soon as you start running games, there's a whole bunch of people out there who want to help you. Other oh, yeah. GMs and DMs want to give you tips and tricks, and you will quickly take what you need and discard the rest like a salad buyer. And there are plenty of resources, online resources that are really great. I mean, I wish I had some of the online resources I had back when I first started because, I mean, we were just... Online when we started. Yeah. We were just on a whim and, you know, doing what we could. Yeah, just just tell a story. Don't worry about it. Don't be scared and work on your poker face. You laugh. You got to work on your program. You cannot let the players know that they have flummoxed your plans. Or because they're like sharks; they smell the blood. <laughs> also, remember you you're trying to herd cats. They are. Now, often you will have someone in the party who is helping you herd those cats. Give those people <laughs> who are helping herd cats all the help in the universe, because they're helping you. Thanks, Dave. You will always be hurting cats. Yes. But I want to go here. Okay, go here. I mean, you let them go there. Like, unless you have a time limit on what you're doing, it doesn't matter what they're doing. Uh, but it's not its not as difficult as what makes it out to be. Players are the most forgiving sort. Like, literally, I found the most forgiving sort. You think you're doing a shit-ass job, and they're like, I had a great time. It was awesome. Yeah. I still think, uh, going back to one of Kathy's uh, conversations, should you punish players uh, for dying? I go, no, but I do punish them for their actions. Oh. I'm going to punch the prince. I okay? do not punish players for their actions. <laughs> They're suffering the consequences of their actions. You get the consequences of the action you chose. Yes. <laughs> there are plenty of times, I like, I, I want to do this. Okay. And they're like, why am I getting thrown in jail? <laughs> trying yeah. to punch the prince. That's the nicest thing you have when you punch the prince. Yeah. Same thing. What's our time, by the way? Uh, we're getting close. Uh, okay. The last thing I'll say is if there are pre-made adventures... Mm. Oh, good night, Captain Mizzy. If there are pre-made adventures for the game system you're doing, run some of them. Oh, yeah. The modules are amazing now. Uh, honestly, like, so when 4th edition came in, we actually ran the Keep of the Shadowfell, I think it was called, which is the first one multiple times and eventually ran the entire series of those all i think it was nine adventures three for each tier and we ran all of them and had a great great fucking time you know even if you don't run it exactly as it is it'll give you ideas um there'll be a lot there and you can tweak them to your needs yeah 100%. and i think you should Especially if you're new and you want to just test out, 
running a pre-made adventure is really, really good. And it takes a lot of the stress off of, you know, because it's already got all the stats planned out, the progress. And we'll give you like, hey, if they did this, go to this. If they did this, go to that. And you can kind of worry about more of the, the action of the story than having to worry about building it. Um, yeah, and they they uh they cover a lot lot they'll have a lot of speech for the people they'll have little quotes and all for uh yeah, whoever whoever you're talking to you know whoever's talking they might have some quotes and stuff for you to read yeah I highly recommend it especially if your first time just choose yeah. like a there's plenty of small ones out there and plenty of ones that are free um, like if you were to run say you're going to run um, uh, FFG's you know Star Wars game. There and you're doing the Jedi one. There's a starting adventure for GMs to run. That way, you, and, and the good thing about it is those starting adventurers will tell you, here's how they use like all of their abilities, and it'll let them test out a good ninety percent of their abilities in the starting adventure type thing. So it's they're really good, and a lot of them are free. So perfect example to try those out. Shake it up. Indeed. Bayon says it has a note there, but let me sum up the note for those who don't know who, are, who know who they are. If you have a game that has hunted, don't be hunted by a team where each individual member is more powerful than your character. <laughs> that is a bad idea. Maybe the king of bad ideas. But like the best thing is, is just approach your group and say, hey, I want to run an adventure. All right, what do you want to do? Well, I really want to do, you know, a uh, Ocean's Eleven leverage type game. Okay, cool. We can try that. And then you, you break it down, do the elevator pitch, and just listen to them and, you know, go with it. Um, because I'll tell you right now, everybody wants to play, hardly anybody wants to GM. But when you get people that want to GM, let them have a shot. Oh, yeah. Let them have a shot. This stuff is not going to shake up enough time. Okay. Let me switch over. But uh, for the people that were asking about that, that pin stuff, I definitely liked it for filling in the lines. Yeah. Did you guys have any questions about, uh, specifically about jamming or DMing, throw them our way. Send them to us, uh, to the to the Facebook or find us or me on Twitter and send them and we'll either put them together into a supplemental podcast or we'll answer them right there and then, depending. Maybe yep. we'll even do both. Or if you want a review of like, uh, like, hey, what do you think about old school Greyhawk? I can, you know, we can, we can talk about it and we can say this is what, you know, they're trying to accomplish with uh, this system or so on and so forth. If there's a system that you're looking to get into, let us know. Uh, we can look into it. So. All right. So we're going to switch over to the media section. Media section time. Um, I have four things. Um, only one I will kind of spoil, but it really won't be much of a spoil anyway. And only one is a movie. John, what you got this week? How many? One, two. Uh, uh, technically one. I can talk about other stuff if I have to. Okay. Actually, I am going to talk about at least one other thing. Okay. Kathy? Uh, uh, two things. I don't think I really watched anything. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair. To be fair. I can't think of anything. I might have watched an episode of Lucifer the next season. That's. 
I don't even know. Just a blur all week. Sorry. I just wanted to think of a quote that came up at our lunch lunch breaks. Hey, demons, it's me, your boy. <laughs> all right, so I'll go with my first one, or one of mine. Um, so I have always been a huge psych fan. Uh, psych was a USA TV show about a guy that was a psychic detective that really all he did was bullshit his way through. You know, he, he was a shitty doctor, you know, a sh- shitty Sherlock Holmes. Um, pretty much a con man. Love Psych as a TV series. Um, they did a movie a while back. Great. Uh, so I now have the Peacock Network, and they did another Psych movie. So I'm like, cool, I'll oh, watch it. Did it go to USA? It did not go to USA, which okay. I was... I wonder if he got maybe NBC owned USA and that's why. But. That it most likely, that's what I can think of. Um, and so, Psych 2, uh, Lassie Goes Home, um, is on. And uh. the gentleman that plays Lassie, I can't remember his name off the top of my head right now, um, actually suffered a stroke in the real world. And um, he's actually been making a comeback and he's able to walk now and, you know, all this other stuff. Because uh, he he appeared in uh, the TV show this yeah Tim he's a great guy I mean he did some really amazing things um, but he suffered a stroke uh, he came back in the TV show this is us and I was like hey that's Lassiter and um, I was like what happened is he acting or is and he actually had a physically a stroke um, stuff but um, he was in this and you can tell that they kind of. I wouldn't say wrote the story around it, but kind of built the story around his stroke uh, type thing and wanted him to be there. You can tell that this group of people that do this show have a really good bond and really work together. Um, if you liked Psych the TV series, Psych 2 the movie is just as good. Uh, they play up the shticks really well. They, you know, they put in all the little things because every episode in Psych had a hidden um, pineapple. And that was actually one of the things was to find the pineapple in the during the TV show, and they made a contest at it. Um, super funny. The characters still have it. Everybody still has their their ability. Um, story eh, story is okay. It's your typical you know solve your crime thing. Um, they actually make fun of themselves a couple of times um, with the things that they do. Um, but if you have the Peacock Network and uh, you want to see it. Go see Psych 2. Highly recommend it. Funny. Original. Just like the TV show. I missed the TV show because it was really good. Um, so maybe a one if you want to push it. But overall, one space herpes. I'm, I don't like it. It was a really good it was, a, it was a good hour and a half. And a note to that is USA Network is owned by NBC Universal, So you will likely start seeing all of those shows end up on the Peacock Network as their contracts run out with Amazon Prime or whomever has it. I, I liked it. I mean, I, I missed the site TV show because it was a lot of fun, uh, and they played really well. Dulé Hill and uh, uh, all the other characters are just... All the other actors are just really good. So. Cool. John? Uh, I'll talk about the movie I watched. Uh, okay. I was sitting uh, eating lunch today, and... Was him and Han uh, on the Twenty One Bridges? The uh, the movie we were talking about last week is not on Amazon Prime for free in the U.S., so I did not watch that. So I just poked around and found that they had uh, what they had for free, and the only thing that caught my eye is something I wanted to watch was Red, which of course I've seen, but mm-hmm. may not again. 
And Based man, I love crap out of this movie. It is super fun. Uh, John Malkovich is a standout with how well he plays an absolutely crazy guy. <laughs> uh, pretty much everyone except for the guy who plays the villain, who is a big actor whose name escapes me. Because really, it's weird that the villain isn't the villain. I mean, I could spoil it and all, but uh, it's got Carl Urban in it. He plays sort of a, the antagonist through most of it. But the actual end villain is actually Richard Dreyfus, who is probably the weakest part of the movie. I agree with that. What he was doing, but I mean, he's not like terrible. He's hamming it up, but it's like He's like the only one not taking this movie seriously. Everyone else is absolutely in here taking the movie seriously, and it's super fun. And it is a little out there at points. At first, you feel like it might be quasi-realistic, and then literally as soon as Bruce Willis you know, pops out of the car as it's spinning around and it misses him in the back, and you're like, oh, this is not going to be that kind of movie. Uh, and it just gets crazier from there. You know, the RPG and Revolver standoff with uh, John Malkovich. She called me old man. Uh, yeah, and I'm getting the pig. It's super fun. It is enjoyable. The cast has great chemistry. But, I mean, it's all just big names. I mean, somehow Carl Urban's a little name in this movie, and that's saying something. But it's Bruce Willis, Morgan Freeman, John Malkovich, Helen Mirren, Carl Urban, um, Ray Lewis Parker is good. Uh, the Brian Cox is great. Um, and then Ernest Borgnine's in it for a very little part, but he is great in what he's in it. Ernest Borgnine was a treasure. I enjoy seeing him in every movie. He just, he's got such charisma when he lights up the screen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I love this movie. I suggest anyone to watch it. It's on Amazon Prime for free right now. It's a great time to watch it. Uh, this is definitely a, maybe a half a shot of, uh, a shot, a half a space herpy, because there's points where it gets completely out there realism-wise. Like, yeah. it takes a turn. There's a couple scenes where it's like, this doesn't necessarily feel like it fits in the movie, but if you're okay with those scenes, it makes the stuff that's closer realistic almost feel realistic. But enjoy the crap out of it. It is super fun. I do need to see the sequel eventually, but it's not anywhere for free. And I'm not sure what I paid to rent it right now, so we'll see. Mm, okay, the I watched two new series that came out this Friday. Um, and I want to talk about what they're doing with these two series before I start talking to reviews. Um, the Boys Season 2 came out. Um, been looking forward to it, can't wait for it. Uh, and a new series called Raised by Wolves came out. And I was like, okay, cool, I'll just binge watch all of it. They are actually not releasing the entire series out at once, or season out at once. They're releasing three episodes a weekend. So, like, three episodes of The Boys on Friday, and I think Raised by Wolves on Thursday. Uh, and I thought that was a really, actually, a, not a bad thing to do. Uh, so, if you have, like, a, you know, if you have, like, a 12 episodes, you know, you release it, and you it spaces it out. You still give enough for the people to, you know, binge. And get excited about the next episode, but not enough that it's like one episode a week. Um, yeah, as someone who doesn't binge things, uh, you know, I don't have a real necessarily horse in that particular race. 
but I feel like the product of people binging is not good. I think it's better to just watch, uh, uh, you know, one episode or so. I generally watch like an episode a night after a bunch of released and then go for that. Um, but, you know, to be to their own, but I like that wide variety of things. I think yeah. it's keeping from, uh, I mean, it seems weird that the companies have to be the ones being responsible. <laughs> like, just basically going like, I'm going to watch it all now. Yeah. Uh, Russ is saying that... It hurts. It helps people from the... It helps companies and streaming services from that. I get your service, I binge all the things, I pay for a month, and then I'm out. Correct. Yeah. Uh, which is which is kind of what's happening. Uh, Russ brings up that the boys is only going to do one episode a week for the next five weeks. We've got the first three episodes, so I'm going to give a review of that. Uh, if you saw Boys, the Boys season one, it's it's season one, season two just continues exactly where it left off, pretty much. Um, they do a couple of flashbacks and such. Um, I'm not seeing any glaring major issues right now. Story is still great. Um, characters are still good. There's still the oh shit moments. Uh, not as big as season one, but I think also because I binge watched season one that those were, I, I think there's quicker and better oh shit moments because I've only seen, I've only seen three episodes of the boys right now. Um, I like it. Not having a problem with it. Um, it's still fun. Still good energy. Um, I think a lot of there's a lot of people that are downvoting it right now or giving it negative reviews because the entire season isn't out yet. Um, there's like this uh, thing to say that they're horrible right now because they're doing that, and I'm like, I enjoyed well, it. Well, let me tell everyone that something like this: um, if you liked it, upvote it. If you are downvoting it for that stupid shit, because here's what's going to happen: they get some downvotes, they're just going to cancel it, and then yeah. they don't get any more episodes. Good job. So, uh, the boys season two, first three episodes to me were good. They were solid. Um, I didn't, you know, they're hour long, so it's like three hours worth and it was really good. There's, there's some, still some plot building and some stories, story going on. Uh, some things that are happening. Uh, so far, maybe half a space therapy, but that's more of an issue of, you know, you're not liking the boys or whatever. Yeah. So I'm torn on this one, Gonzo. I want to watch it because I love Carl Urban. Oh, yeah. He's, He's amazing in this. And everything. But at least three people have told me this is not a series that I'm going to like because it's not my jam. Yeah, you might not. It, it is a very, uh, very, very, very slap in the face. You know, no hold barred, you know, type thing for superheroes. Uh, but the so, writer and everybody, what it is, it's based off of the work, and it it wasn't a you know a hold back, you know, type thing. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> it's you know it, it it's it it doesn't account for your sensibilities, and it's not going to. Which is fine. Yeah, I actually like that. Don't be afraid of being what you're being. Be what you are. And if people don't want to watch you, that's okay. Yep. Um, but I mean, so far, like this, season one, uh, season two, first episode, great, solid, no problem. Um, half a space therapy is at max right now. And now, like I says, Russ, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more oh shit moments come on later on. I'm just waiting for them. There were, there were a few already, but it was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, 
Gonzo, based on what you said there, and me thinking I have another thought, I'm going to touch on something shortly, real quick here, uh, that I think needs to be touched upon so people have the right frame of mind about this. And that is Mulan releasing on Disney Plus for like 30 bucks. People are up in arms because they're like, I'm already paying for your streaming service. Why am I paying for the movie? But they did say that they're releasing it for free in December. Yes, but let, let me tell people why yeah. they're paying for it. Because this is a movie they paid normal money to make. And they're trying to release it now to prevent the inevitable backlog of movies that it means when movies really release again because COVID is completely under control. <laughs> there's going to be so okay. many fucking movies, it's going to be out of control. Yeah. And they're trying to see if this is a new way we can do it. Correct. I, I'm kind of curious of how much they will make and see if it's viable for them. I, I'm kind of curious about that. I am worried that two people are just completely uh, dis- completely discarding it and not even thinking about it. When Think about it for the people who are most likely to see this. Parents and kids. Correct. How much do parents and kids pay to go to the movie theater Spoiler, more than 30 fucking bucks. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got to think adult tickets about 10 bucks or so. Each kid's right. around seven bucks a piece. At you least. know, at least. And then you got to think popcorn. Oh, well, let's say the overcharge on popcorn and drinks and all. Yeah. The overcharge. You're still paying for them at home, but you're not paying their prices. Correct. So, really, they're getting out like a bandit. And in addition, they have full access to it. It's not like a rental where you're like, I watch it once, I'm done. No. You watch it as much as you fucking want as long as you have Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Now, I'm a little worried about that as long as you have Disney+. Plus. I wish they could have a way where you have an expired login. You can still access movies like that you paid for. But that's not my thing. That's their that's their choice. Yeah. And I understand it would be a lot of coding that they don't necessarily want to pay for. So I understand that. But when these movies start coming out like this, if you are interested in the movie, Bill and Ted Face the Music, whatever, watch the damn movie. This is going to prove to them that this is a viable way to release movies. If we don't, we're going to get this backlog and we're never going to get it. We're going to have to go to the theater. You know, New Mutants released the theaters to a resounding thud, from what I understand. Uh, Russ does does make a point that if you are not going to go see this movie in the theater anyway... Just wait till it comes for free. Like, I would not have gone to see Mulan in the theater. Uh, Don't don't pay 30 bucks because you want to support the format, only do it for movies you're going to see. Like, if Mulan's not your thing, but Bill and Ted is, or some other movie that released in the meantime at that, try and see it for that price to prove it is a viable thing, because I feel like it can be a viable release schedule for movies. I mean, I would much rather spend money than I used to uh, spend going to the movie theater on getting a better sound system and a bigger TV, and just watch stuff in the comfort of my home, where I can have whatever the fuck I want to eat and and not have to worry about people coming to the movie theater late and talking and, yeah. and shit. I mean, you guys have heard about my, not multitude, but several problems in theaters. So I would love for this to become a thing. And granted, there are still movies that would be theater events. There's a certain level you get to that's still theater events. Yes, Hinton. No pants for the win. I don't want to wear pants all the time. Fuck it. I want to go in. <laughs> pants off, dance off. It's time to watch a movie. Yeah, I, I, I'm one of those people that I would like to see movies go straight to streaming type services because 
there are certain things I would just like, hey, I just want to sit here and watch this with, you know, do whatever. So I don't have to because I don't want to deal with the crowds and crap. Wings and watch a damn movie. I, <laughs> can I buy 30 wings and eat them slowly over the course of a movie while I watch it? That sounds awesome. Yeah. So, so that, but, I think that yeah. might be. I hope that we eventually, but it's going to take, it's going to take a lot of convincing. I think it's going to take COVID running its actual natural course. Yeah. Which I'm spoiled. So you say is going to be in the next year for everyone who thinks it's going to disappear right away. Um, so, oh, so yeah, so Russ says, not sure how much Blu-ray has cost over your side of the pond, but here in the UK, a 4K film costs 20 pounds. So anything that costs more for less quality will never work over here. Understood, absolutely. But I think it's only 20 pounds in the UK for Mulan or something like that. And I think it's good quality. Um, honestly, I get DVDs much cheaper and Blu-rays over here, but not for first-run movies. So, it all depends. Don't watch movies you don't want to see just because you like the format. Watch the movies you're interested in because if we convince them, maybe we get maybe we get Black Widow released over here. They can't keep... I mean, the reality is they're shutting down a lot of movies. The Rock got COVID. I heard Robert Pattinson got COVID. Yeah. So, movies are shutting down like they should be because apparently people can't fucking... I mean, you can't wear masks in the movie. What? I know. You can't wear the masks in the movies, so you have to be really careful. When people, and I'm sorry the U.S. is not capable of being that careful. <laughs> in any case, if you're interested in the movie, watch it. If you're not, don't. But don't just discard it, or in the case of the boys, downvote because you don't like the release format. They're trying to change things. This is a brand new fucking world. We have to change things. We have to evolve, or the things we love are going to go away because they're not profitable. Um, this is a show that I saw a trailer on and I was just cruising for movies and everything. And I was like, Oh, it's coming to HBO max. Cool. Uh, it is a sci-fi show called raised by wolves. Um, it is backed by Ridley Scott and the first two episodes are directed by him. We only received the first three so far and, the story is two faction group of people, atheists, and I can't remember the name of the religious people, fight, fight on Earth, and they pretty much destroy Earth. Um, and a group of people created these androids that pretty much can destroy humans by screaming at them. And they're, the androids are, they have like certain types of androids, and there's an android called the Necromancers that are combat machines. Um, so they start off the story of two androids crash on this planet and they repo try to repopulate the world by um, growing children. Uh, and they start off with 12 children. And so this is how the story is. They're learning about the planet, learn about everything, and you learn about the history and the people and all those other things. Um, I'm fucking loving this TV series. Um, the one thing that I really, really, really like about this and this is something I thought Kathy would find very interesting. A lot of the like spacesuits and science fiction parts and the costumes they wear is very like retro's '60s <laughs> science fiction. Um, so if you like, do it. Do a search for it, and you can tell that they're not like the spacesuits aren't this elaborate, you know, cool little sci-fi thing with all these, you know, s you know, space tech and holograms and everything. Um, 
like one of the the symbols of one of the the, the religious group is group is this giant sun that reminds me of Flash Gordon, um, type thing. And so everything seems to be kind of like that meld. Now there are some pretty heavy techy things, but it's not overdone. Everything seems to be very simplified on this the the tech part of everything. Um, there's two characters: mother, father, and then their the main child that's in it. Um, and like father has a really cool, you know, they try to make him very relatable cause he tells a lot of jokes and there are a lot of stupid dad jokes. Yeah. Um, and they're, you know, uh, some jokes that teach or whatever. And then mother is pretty much, you know, acting like a mother. Um, it does have some controversial type topics. It doesn't, um, it, it, I'm not saying it doesn't pull punches, but it does have some pretty bloody stuff in it. I mean, really, Scott, come on, you know, type thing. I'm really digging it. I really like the world. It's set up really neat. They do a lot of, they, I wouldn't say a lot of flashbacks, but you learn about what happened to Earth through flashbacks from the characters uh, during the show um, because they start on a planet that, you know, they're Stone Age and working their way up uh, type thing. Um, there are... You want to like this character, but then you find out about stuff and you're like, no, that character is a piece of shit. Um, it, it's pretty interesting. The The background and story of it is really good. Uh, special effects, for the most part, they're good. There's a couple of things that were like, what? Huh? Okay. Uh, they just kind of like, you know, kind of threw you off a bit. Um, but that's just because we're so used to high, high, high special effects now. Um, I really like, like the beginning, tra the... The intro is really, really neat. Very artistic. Um, the retro science fiction look is really neat. Um, story is really cool. I'm really digging this. This thing's got a zero space herpes for me right now. It is on HBO Max. Um, there are some people calling it the best new sci-fi since uh, Battlestar Galactica remake. Um which I'm like well, you. That's a false because the expanse has come up between now. But yeah, but you understand what I'm saying. That that's what they're, that's what they're comparing this to, is that. And I'm like, that's a pretty big comparison. But like I said, they're only releasing three episodes so far. So um, I'm looking forward to the next few. The trailer. I mean, go watch the trailer. Go watch the clips. If you have HBO Max, I highly recommend it. Um, it it. it you don't know about everything, and so everything's new. So I think that's really what I like about it. One of the few shows that I have to actually pay attention to. So um, I would uh, oh. recommend you go see that one if you have HBO Max. Very rarely do I have to pay attention to a show, but yep, this is one that I have to put my phone down and I can actually pay <laughs> attention to, and it will hold my attention well. Yeah, that's good. Well, uh, the last thing I want to talk about is uh, so it's called uh, Raised by Wolves. Raised by Wolves. Yeah, Russ was asking. Uh, the last thing I'm talking about is two YouTube channels, real quick, and it's very uh, shameless uh, self promotion sort of thing. I want to talk about the Urbanomics 101 YouTube channel and then uh, Foxtrot 9XL, which are two of my unit guys from the Urbanomics uh, MechWarrior unit, and they post MechWarrior Online videos, uh, and they will occasionally be featuring me. Uh, and at least one case of me on the receiving end of a butt whooping. <laughs> uh, I shared that with the crew. I'll probably share it on the main uh, Facebook page at some point for you guys. And then 
another video where uh, Foxtrot has of me in the basement giving out the candy rather than receiving the candy. <laughs> and a bunch there, and uh, it's fun. It's, we have a lot of guys. We're having a good time. And it's just simple Beckware Online videos. It's not all the bells and whistles or like the structured format. It's just pure recorded gameplay. Um, some of the ones occasionally we get multiple views where we'll all record what we're doing. I say all, like none of the ones I've been in that I record, but at some point I'm going to. We'll record multiple angles and it'll jump from angle to angle so you can see one you know, part of the game from multiple angles as we're going. And we'll do a lot of theme videos where we're all running Urban Max or whatever, you know, whatever meme we're running at that point. And it's all super fun. And if you're interested at all, give it a check out. Um, last one that I have is I am watching uh, the new show on Netflix called Away. Away is the story of a group of scientists and astronauts going to Mars. It is our first time to try to go to Mars. Uh, type thing. Um, so the story starts off that we've built a base on Mars on, on the moon and we're going to launch from the moon to Mars. Um, the story talks about the story is based on the spaceship going to Mars, but also on planet earth uh, because they talk about the family. Uh, you learn about the character's history through the TV show and flashbacks of why this character's like this, why this character's like that. And, it's not strictly sci-fi. It is learning, you know, why this character acts the way they were, where they are, and so on and so forth. A lot of good character building. Um, Hillary Swank is the main um, character. She's the captain. Um, Hillary Swank did some work. That's yeah, good. yeah. I haven't seen her in anything in forever. Uh, the last thing I didn't see her in was Million Dollar Baby. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. I didn't see that, but I know she was in it. Yeah. Um, I heard it was depressing. <laughs> Spoiler, I avoid depressing movies. Um, but I mean, in 2020, it uh, the show doesn't concentrate a ton of things, and it's like a whatever the amount of time you have to travel to Mars, they're not doing like day one, day two, day three, day four, you know, type thing. Uh, I think it's like a 10 episode, and on like episode eight, I believe, is when they're finally kind of doing what they need to do to be on Mars. Of course, there's things happen, you know, things break down. Uh, they bring up some good subjects of like, what about diseases in space? How do they react or, you know, type thing. And it's more of a realistic approach than a sci-fi approach um, to space travel. Because they even bring up that there's a good chance that, you know, you're going to go there and you're going to die. That, you know, the first mission to Mars is probably going to be super disastrous. Uh, type thing. There's a good chance that space debris will breach the hull of your ship and kill you all before you get anywhere near it. Correct. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which there's is smart, a thing. There are smart people working on it. It'll be okay. They're all really smart. <laughs> yeah. uh, rating at the very oh, end. Sarah's just oh, rated. Okay. <laughs> hey, guys. Hey, guys. Hi. Right at the end. Hey, everybody, um, if you want to watch D&D uh, &D being streamed live, follow Zelteris, because that's who I play with when when we're streaming live on Twitch, Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. Well, and that would probably be a good place to learn some uh, quick jamming tips. Watch those videos of people jamming, and you will learn a lot of tips just for watching how they do it. Our our, stre our stream topic today was uh, was 
DMing, uh, running games, being the game master, and Forger that was like an hour ago. Yeah, we're in the media section right now. Um, <laughs> we're, on, we're on the uh, the outro, and just about unfortunately, God's up finish that up. Minutes, which is fine. Which is um, fine. This gives everybody else a chance to follow Zeltaris and watch some very fun. Dungeons and Dragons being played, and the chat is always a hoot yes. in those streams. Absolutely. Um, but I mean, it, it's it's more a realistic approach to um, traveling to Mars than a science fiction approach to traveling to Mars. So it, it it's actually pretty decent. Uh, I'll give a full review later once I finish the entire series. But mm-hmm. so far, it's probably about a one to a one and a half space herpes. Um, and uh, say the title again for everyone who got rated in, just in case they're interested. Uh, Away, uh, the new series on Netflix. Thank you. Um, it does focus on families more than just individuals. So there's a lot of flashback on Earth and stuff. So, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a couple of things that I'm kind of iffy on. Uh, like uh, them making phone calls from um, Mars and they answer it in real time. Yeah, they're not, not really not much. Yeah. No. So there's, there, there's, there's, I, we don't know how far they traveled when they made those phone calls. So you're just like, uh, it kind of does a little disbelief so, on that. To be fair, they could have satellites relaying symbol signals, but it's still going to be take a while. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's a little bit of disbelief on that, but not too bad. Um, it's, it's mostly meant for stories. And what I do like is that even though these guys are traveling to Mars and they're having problems on the spacecraft. The problems don't stop on Earth either. Things happen on Earth still, and these things still happen. Uh, the one thing that I did find, and what kind of got me a little into it, was that um, they're doing all these people going on their spaceship, and like the entire planet is watching and intertwined, and everybody's at one, you know, looking at this and you know cheering it on. And I was like, when was the last time we did that? You know, type thing. And I was like, I don't uh, remember. First show launch? Or like the Olympics or whatever? Uh, yeah, I mean, the closest we got was, uh, what's his name, jumping out of the balloon and, you know, basically out of the atmosphere and, and, and diving down to Earth. I don't know. There were a lot of people who were enthused about the, uh, the SpaceX journey to yeah. the space station. Yeah. I mean, but, but this one, I mean, this one was a whole lot bigger type thing. So it wasn't, it wasn't bad. It was just, that just something that popped in my head. You know, when was the last time we as a planet, you know, we're like united type thing in that. Um, as a planet united? Never. But. <laughs> <laughs> Says Johnny Cathy at the same time. The closest would have been World War Two when there were basically, there were two sides of a handful of neutrals. Yeah, but it would—it just—it just came up in my mind when I was watching yeah. it. Um, no, I think—I think honestly, that's not unrealistic. I think that would be something the whole world follows. Yeah, because um, they also bring up, you know, like one person is from USA, one person's from Russia, one person's from you know all these different places and such. Oh, and yeah. So uh, I'm liking it. It's—it's it's good. I only got like two episodes to go to finish it, but for right now, I'm gonna let like a one to one and a half space herpes. So it's pretty solid. Um, oh, but it's, it's more of a realistic approach, not a sci-fi approach. 
Yeah, someone who rated late, uh, our uh, scale is space herpes from zero to five. Five is bad because you don't, don't want no want space, space herpes running around. You want no space herpes. You want no space herpes. An average movie would, of course, be two and a half space herpes. But really, more of an average movie that you'd watch generally is a two. Yeah, two to two and a half space herpes. But yeah. uh, I'll finish it up and I'll I'll give a full review. Um, like I said, it's my big takeaway. If you have HBO Max, go watch Raised by Wolves. Um, it is a very good. It, it is a new and unique approach to a sci-fi series. I'm really. I gotta watch it. Doom Patrol and Raised by Wolves. Yes. Yep. I'll put it on my list. You Raised by Wolves, I think you would like more Doom Patrol. You'll be like, okay, I can watch. Oh, fuck, this is funny. Okay, and then you can put it down for and watch a couple of other other episodes type thing. You know what's not funny? Pain. Season four of the Clone Wars. <laughs> not funny at all. Oh. So. All right, guys, that is our episode for the day. We are actually going to go raid uh, Wapolis. Wapolis. We're going to rate him uh, next. I apologize that y'all came in at the very end. Uh, we yeah, appreciate you coming in, though. Um, we're we're uh, 8 a.m. Uh, or 8 p.m. Eastern to 8 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern. Sorry. So we'll uh, we'll send you over to him. But for um, we appreciate everybody. Guys, please take care of yourself. Look out for everybody else. Wear your mask. Um, Wear your mask. Be safe. Um, for more than dice, I'm Gonzo. I'm John. And I'm still Kathy. Good night. You still Kathy, you didn't say?